Have you ever been traveling overseas, logged into your favorite streaming service, and realized ah, your favorite show isn't there? Different countries have different streaming rights, so just because you can watch Breaking Bad at home doesn't mean you can watch it overseas. Well, with Surfshark, you can. Surfshark is the VPN that I use every single day. I simply choose from one of their 3,200 plus servers in 100 countries and get back to watching the favourite shows that I love. Use the link in the description or the episode notes to get Surfshark VPN today for as little as $2.30 per month on a two-year plan and get back to watching the shows that you love. We've all gone to websites only to be presented with a pop-up asking if we'll accept the cookies. Well, did you know that by accepting those cookies, you're allowing that website to collect data on you? These websites will then sell your information to data brokers, who will then create a digital profile of you which can be used by banks, advertisers, and scammers against you. Well, thanks to Incogni, you no longer need to worry about your data being stolen and sold. Incogni is a tool that will remove your data from these companies for you. All you need to do is sign up, allow Incogni to work for you, and they will contact data brokers on your behalf and guarantee that your digital ID is removed from the internet. Use the link in the description and episode notes and get a Cogni today for $6.49 per month on a year plan and protect your data and digital ID. Hello and welcome to The Essential Reads. My name is Isaac and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of classic audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. We're continuing with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And if you remember the last episode, uh, if you don't, go back and listen to it. But um, the main characters are sort of having a bit of a conflict about what the rules are within the establishment of the insane asylum. So let's jump back into it. Trigger warning. This book was written in the 1950s and contains views and words that were used in that time period. I do not agree with these words and views and would never use them in my daily life. I shall be ducking the audio to bleep any offensive language so that this book can be uploaded to its appropriate platforms, but apart from that, the book will stay as it was intended to be read. If you find this sort of language disturbing or triggering, then please listen to another audiobook. Thank you for your understanding, Isaac. It's like a slap. Harding is hushed, chopped off cold with his mouth still open in a drawn grin his hands dangling in a cloud of blue tobacco smoke. He freezes this way a second, then his eyes narrow into sly little holes. He lets them slip over McMurphy, speaks so soft that I have to push my broom right up next to his chair to hear what he says. Friend, you may be a wolf. God damn it, I'm no wolf, and you no rabbit. Oh, I never heard such a... You have a very wolfy roar. With a loud hissing of breath, McMurphy turns from Harding to the rest of the acutes standing around. Here, all you guys, what the hell's the matter with you? You ain't as crazy as all this, thinking you're some animal. No, Cheswick says and steps beside McMurphy. No, by God, not me. I'm not any rabbit. That's the boy, Cheswick. And the rest of you? Let's just knock it off. Look at you. Talking yourself, running scared from some 50-year-old woman. What is there she can do to you anyway? Yeah, what? Cheswick says and glares around at the others. She can't have you whipped. She can't burn you with hot irons. 
She can't tie you to the rack. They got laws about that sort of thing nowadays. This ain't the Middle Ages. There's not a thing in the world she can... You saw what she can do to us in the meeting today. I see Billy Bibbit has changed back from Rabbit. He leans toward McMurphy, trying to go on, his mouth wet with spit and his face red. Then he turns and walks away. Uh, it's it's n- no use. I should just k- 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 kill myself. McMurphy calls after him. Today? What I see in the meeting today? Hell's bells. All I saw today was her asking a couple questions. And that's easy questions at that. Questions ain't bone breakers. Ain't sticks and stones. Billy turns back. But the w- 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 way she asks them. You don't have to answer, do you? If you d- don't, she just smiles and m- makes a note in her little book. And then she... She... Oh, hell! Scanlon comes up beside Billy. If you don't answer the questions, Mac, you admit it just by keeping quiet. It's the way those bastards in government get you. You can't beat it. The only thing to do is blow the whole business off the face of the whole bleeding earth. Blow it all up! When she asks one of those questions, why don't you tell her up and go to hell? Yeah, Jeswick says, shaking his fist. Tell her up and go to hell. So, what then, Mac? She'd just come right back with why do you seem so upset by that particular question, patient McMurphy. So you tell her to go to hell again. Tell them all to go to hell. I still haven't hurt you. The acutes are crowding closer to him. Fredrickson answers this time. Okay, you tell her that and you're listed as a potential assaultive and shipped upstairs to the served ward. I had it happen. Three times. Those poor goofs up there don't even get off the ward to go to Saturday afternoon movie. They don't even have a TV. And, friend, if you continue to demonstrate such hostile tendencies as telling people to go to hell, you get lined up to go to the shock shop, and perhaps even on the greater things, an operation. And, damn it, Harden... I told you I'm not up with this talk. The shock shop, Mr. McMurphy, is jargon for the EST machine, the electroshock therapy. A device that might be said to do the work of the sleeping pill, the electric chair, and the torture rank. It's a clever little procedure. Simple, quick, nearly painless. It happens so fast. But no one ever wants another one. Ever. What's this thing do? You are strapped to a table, shaped ironically like a cross, with a crown of electric sparks in the place of the thorns. You are touched on either side of the head with wires. Zap! Five cents worth of electricity through the brain, and you are jointly administered therapy and a punishment for your hostile go-to-hell behavior. On top of being put out of everyone's way for six hours to three days, depending on the individual. Even when you do regain consciousness, you are in a state of disorientation for days. You are unable to think coherently. You can't recall things. 
Enough of these treatments, and a man could turn out like Mr. Ellis, you see over there against the wall. A drooling, pants-wetting idiot at thirty-five. Or turn into a mindless organism that eats and eliminates and yells, Fuck the wife, like Ruckley. Or look at Chief Broom, clutching to his namesake right there beside you. Harding points his cigarette to me. It's too late for me to back off. I make like I don't notice. Go on with my sweeping. I've heard that the chief, years ago, received more than 200 shock treatments when they were really in the vogue. Imagine what this could do to a man that was already slipping. Look at him. A giant janitor. There's your vanishing American. A six-foot-eight sweeping machine scared of his own shadow. That, my friend, is what we can be threatened with. McMurphy looks at me a while, and then he turns back to Harding. Man, I'll tell you, how come you stand for it? What about this democratic ward manure that the doctor was giving me? Why don't you take a vote? Harding smiles at him and takes another slow drag on his cigarette. Vote what, my friend? Vote that the nurse may not ask any more questions in group meetings? Vote that she shall not look at us in a certain way? You tell me, Mr. McMurphy, what do we vote on? Hell, I don't care. Vote on anything. Don't you see you have to do something to show that you still got some guts? Don't you see you can't let her take over completely? Look at you here. You say the chief is scared of his own shadow, but I never saw a scarier looking bunch in my life than you guys. Not me, Cheswick says. Maybe not you, buddy. But the rest are even scared to open up and laugh. You know, it's the first thing that got me about this place. That there wasn't anybody laughing. I haven't heard a real laugh since I came through that door. Do you know that? Man, when you lose your laugh, you lose your footing. A man going around letting a woman whoop him up and down till he can't laugh no more. And he loses one of the biggest edges he's got on his side. First thing you know, he'll begin to think she's tougher than he is. And Ah... I believe my friend is catching on, fellow rabbits. Tell me, Mr. McMurphy, how does one go on about showing a woman who's boss? I mean, other than laughing at her. How does he show her who's the king of the mountain? A man like you should be able to tell us that. You don't slap her around, do you? No, then she calls the law. You don't lose your temper and shout at her, she'll win by trying to placate her big old angry boy. Is widow man getting fussy? Oh. Have you ever tried to keep up a noble and angry front in the face of such consolation? You see, my friend, it is somewhat as you stated. Man has but one truly effective weapon against the juggernaut of modern matriarchy. But it is certainly not laughter. One weapon and with every passing year in this hip, motivationally researched society, more and more people are discovering how to render that weapon useless, and conquer those who hitherto have been the conquerors. Lord Harden, but you do come all, May Murphy says. And do you think, for all your acclaimed psychopathic powers, that you could effectively use your weapon against our champion? Do you think you could ever use it against Miss Ratchet, McMurphy? Ever? And sweeps one of his hands towards the glass case. Everybody's head turns to look. She's in there, looking out through a window. 
Got a tape recorder. Hit out a sight somewhere. Getting all this down. Already planning how to work it in the schedule. The nurse sees everybody looking at her. And she nods. And they all turn away. And Murphy takes off his cap and runs his hands through that red hair. Now everybody is looking at him. They're waiting for him to make an answer. And he knows it. He feels he's been trapped some way. He puts the cap back on and rubs the stitch marks on his nose. Why, if you mean, do I think I could get a bone up over that old buzzard? No. I don't believe I could. She's not all that homely, McMurphy. Her face is quite handsome and well-preserved. And in spite of all her attempts to conceal them in that sexless get-up, you can still make out the evidence of some rather extraordinary breasts. She must have been a rather beautiful young woman. Still, for the sake of argument, could you get it up over her if she wasn't old? Even if she was young and had the beauty of Helen? I don't know, Helen, but I see what you're driving at. And by God, you're right. I couldn't get it up over frozen face in there even if she had the beauty of Marilyn Monroe. There you are. She's worm. That's it. Harding leans back, and everybody waits for what McMurphy is going to say next. McMurphy can see he's backed up against a wall. He looks at the face a minute, then shrugs and stands up from his chair. Well, what the hell? There's no skin off my nose. That's true. There's no skin off your nose. And I damn well don't want to have some old fiend of a nurse after me with 3,000 volts. Not where there's nothing in it for me but the adventure. No, you're right. Harding's won the argument, but nobody looks too happy. McMurphy hooks his thumbs in his pocket and tries to laugh. No, sir. I never heard of anybody offering 20 bone bounty for bagging a ball cutter. Everybody grins with this, but they're not happy. I'm glad McMurphy is going to be cagey after all and not get sucked in on something he can't whip. But I know how the guy feels. I'm not so happy myself. McMurphy lights another cigarette. Nobody's moved on. They're all still standing there, grinning and uncomfortable. McMurphy rubs his nose again and looks away from the bunch of old faces hung out there around him, looks back at the nurse, and chews his lip. But you say she don't send you up to that other ward unless she gets your goat. Unless she makes you crack in some way and you end up cussing her out or busting a window or something like that. Unless you do something like that. You sure of that now? Because I'm getting just the shadiest notion of how to pick up a good purse off of you birds in here. But I don't want to be a sucker about it. I had a hell of a time getting out of that other hole. I don't want to be jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. Absolutely certain. She's powerless unless you do something to honestly deserve the disturbed ward or EST. If you're tough enough to keep her from getting you, she can't do a thing. So, if I behave myself and don't cuss her out, or cuss one of the aides out, or tear up Jack from somewhere around here, she can't do nothing to me? Those are the rules we play by. Of course, she always wins, my friend. Always. She's impregnable herself, and with the element of time working for her, she eventually gets inside everyone. That's why the hospital regards her as its top nurse and grants her so much authority. She's a master of forcing the trembling libido out into the open. The hell with that! 
What I want to know is, am I safe to try and beat her at her own game? If I come on, nice as part of her, whatever else I insinuate, she ain't gonna get in a tizzy and have me electrocuted? You're safe as long as you keep control. As long as you don't lose your temper and give her actual reason to request the restriction of the disturbed ward or the therapeutic benefits of electroshock, you are safe. But that entails first and foremost keeping one's temper. And you, with your red hair and black record, why delude yourself? Okay, all right. Murphy rubs his palms together. Here's what I'm thinking. You birds seem to think you got quite the champ in there, don't you? Quite the... What did you call it? Sure, impregnable woman. What I want to know is how many of you are dead sure enough to put a little money on her. Dead sure enough? Just what I said. Any of you sharpies here willing to take my five bucks that says I can get the best of that woman before the week's up? Without her getting the best of me? One week, and if I don't have her to where she don't know whether to shit or go blind, the bet is yours. You're betting on this. Cheswick is hopping from foot to foot and rubbing his hands together, like my Murphy rubs his. You're damned right. Harding and some of the others say they don't get it. Simple enough, there ain't nothing noble or complicated about it. I like to gamble, and I like to win. And I think I can win this gamble, okay? I got it so at Pendleton, the guys wouldn't even leg pennies with me on account I was such a winner. Why, one of the big reasons I got myself sent here was because I need some new suckers. I'll tell you something. I found out a few things about this place before I came here. Damn near half you guys in here pull compensation. Three, four hundred a month. Nothing in the world to do with it but let it draw dust. I thought I might take advantage of this and maybe make both our lives a little more richer. I'm starting level with you. I'm a gambler. I'm not in the habit of losing. And I've never seen a woman I thought was more man than me. I don't care whether I can get it up for her or not. She may have the element of time, but I got a pretty long winning streak going on myself. He pulls off his cap, spins it on his finger, and catches it behind his back in his other hand. Need as you please. Another thing. I'm in this place because that's the way I planned it. Pure and simple. Because it's a better place than a work farm. As near as I can tell, I'm no loony, or never knew it if I was. Your nurse don't know this. She's not going to be looking out for somebody coming at her with a trigger-quick mind like I obviously got. These things give me an edge I like. So I'm saying five bucks to each you that wants it, if I can't put a Betsy bug up that nurse's butt within a week. I'm not sure I... Just that. A bee in her butt. A burr in her bloomers. Get her go. Bug her until she comes apart at those neat little seams. And show just one time she ain't so unbeatable as you think. One week, and I let you be the judge of whether I win or not. Harding takes out a pencil and writes something on the penultial pad. Here, Leon of $10 of that money they got drawn dust under my name over in funds. It's worth twice that to me, my friend, to see this unlikely miracle brought off. Murphy looks at the paper and folds it. 
Worth it to any of the rest of you birds? The other acutes line up now, taking turns at the pad. He takes the pieces of paper when they're finished, stacking them on his palm, pinned under a big, stiff thumb. I see the pieces of paper crowd up in his hand. He looks them over. You trust me to hold the bet, buddies? I believe we can be safe in doing that, Harding says. You won't be going any place for a while. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, all that jazz. And if you really enjoyed, do subscribe because there's more to come. And if you're listening on podcast, please do join the podcast, leave a review, do all the podcasty things. It really helps get this in front of as many people as possible. And more importantly, it really makes my day. Um, yeah, so please do that. If you want to join the YouTube channel or the podcasts, like subscribe to me kind of thing, uh, you can. And I would be very appreciative because it allows me to do this um, as a job, which is uh, brilliant. So support independent creators. Big business. <laughs> Once again, thank you for listening, and until next time, bye-bye.